It's me, DJ Envy, with the word of the day. Subscribe. That's it. That's the word. The Alive Podcast Network is global streaming platform that curates the best black creative content in one spot. Just for you, tap in today for $5 in iOS, Android, and AlivePodcastNetwork.com. Finally, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. Welcome back to the Positive Deposit Podcast, and I'm your host, Presley Nelson Jr., two-time cancer survivor, and this is the show where we are transforming minds to change lives, and I'm so excited about the host that I have today. It's none other than the legendary DJ Lonnie B, a.k.a. Lonnie Battle. Yes, he is here. <laughs> this man is amazing, man. Um, exclusive member of the Heavy Hitters. Primetime DJ at iPower 92.1. He has actually some dope mixes on Apple Music, sold out venues. He's already hosted in Argreal events. And he also is one of the co-founders of 804 Flavor Label. And so I, I bring to you guys none other than DJ Lonnie B. What's going on, man? What's up, bro? It's an honor to be here with you, man. I appreciate, you know what I'm saying, the consideration to even be here, man, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, man. Um, it's uh, I was definitely looking for, um, you know, just black men that have gone through cancer, and I stumbled upon. I googled you first. I stumbled upon <laughs> your profile, and um, we had a a mutual friend because when I saw Richmond, as they say, DJ Lonnie B is Richmond. Um, I had to call my brother, who you know is Lil Royce, DJ. Yeah. My brother. Do you know DJ Lonnie B? He said, "Are you serious? That <laughs> man is a legend." And I was like, "If you uh, if you know him, then that's it's good. He is definitely good peoples." And so, um, you know, I, you're a conqueror, man. You're a conqueror of testicular cancer. So we're just gonna jump right into it. And I want to ask you, man, how did you find out? What was what era was this? What year was it? Um, what was going on when you? Um, finally found out about your uh, diagnosis? Um, um, it was 2013. It was uh, May 2013. Um, you know, it was crazy. I was actually um, feeling a pain in one of my testicles. And, um, you know, as men, sometimes if things aren't unbearable, we really don't, you know what I'm saying? We just deal with it and think, you know, it's going to go away. So that's kind of what I was do doing for a minute. But, you know, um, I did share it with my wife. Okay. You know? And um, you know, I went to the doctor. She encouraged me to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor, my primary physician. And when I went to my primary physician, um, he gave me some med medicine, told me, you know, he told me whatever he thought it was. Okay. I took the medicine and I still was dealing with the pain. So my wife was like, I need to go get a second opinion. In my head, you know, of course you already have the fear of something being you know, bad. So yeah. one doctor told me that it was good. I just wanted to stick with the good news and just, you know, wait it out and see Keep what it moving. Was. Yeah. Yep. She, she wasn't really having that. She was like, you know, you've taken the medication, you're still, you know, dealing with the pain. You know what I'm saying? She actually, you know, inspected it. It was like, you know, something's not right. So go get a second opinion. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I set up the second opinion, went there. And um, 
this, I had to go to a urologist. When I went to the urologist, they did an ultrasound on it. Um, the doctor said, this was a Wednesday. The doctor said, we're going to call you and give you the results by Friday. So okay. now I'm laying down in my bed thinking to myself, like, how am I going to wait 48 hours to get the results on whether or not I got cancer or, or, or that there's something wrong? Right. Dozed off, wake up to my phone ring, and I look at the doctor. He says, I hate to call and tell you this, but after looking at your results, I see all the characteristics of it being cancer. Oh, we wow. need you to come back in right now. We're going to do blood work, and we're going to operate tomorrow. So Ooh. at this point, you went from telling me that you're going to give me the results on Friday to come back right now, you're going to operate tomorrow. At this point, it made me feel like he's trying to save my life at this point. Like, is yeah. that, that what he's trying to do whatever he can to save my life? So, you know, the only way, I guess the way that he felt to treat it was to take one of them all the way out, the one yeah. that he was infected all the way out. And I'm thinking you can't, uh, you know, just t do a biopsy or take that part out or whatever. Right. He was like, no, so again, there's no time to think about, you know, I, I want to get a third opinion. It's like, I just yeah. got to go. So um, I went and got the blood work, had the operation. Right before I had the operation, I asked the doctor, you know, what are my chances of being good? He said, I won't know until we get, um, get it out and test it. And um, that's going to take eight days. Wow. So operation, he said, when everything was smooth, they got it out. Um, that eight days was the longest eight days of my life. Everything that I looked at on TV was cancer related, life insurance related. Every time I went to the um, store, you know, it was, do you want to donate extra money to, you know, mm -hmm. cancer, everything, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, you have a whole different look, you know, a whole different view when you're in that situation. Um, right. Other thing is my mom's birthday was coming up and I didn't want to tell my mom, you know, this was a horrible thing to tell her right around her birthday. So I was like, at least I want to know where I am so I can give her the news. Right. Eight days go by. Well, I can't um, forget. Um, I went to church that Sunday and the message was about, um, people counting you out and mm. overcoming the odds. You know, it, just, it, it really felt like it was, you know, talking to me. Come Friday, I go to the doctor. The doctor got the results back. He said um, it was stage one. I forgot the um, term that it was, but whatever the term was, it hadn't spread. So okay. because it was stage one and it hadn't spread, I didn't have to go through chemotherapy or radiation. Because mm. of early, early detection, pretty much that operation you know, yeah, that, that was yeah. the best case scenario. You know what I'm saying? So, um, hey, so, so I'm going to take it back because you said a lot of uh, some, some things that stood out to me. And so um, your support, your wife said, get the second opinion. Um, yeah. What made her actually just like really say second opinion, even though like got the medicine, you know, what was what was going on through her head? Or she's she's big on second opinion, not just taking the first, you know, you know, I think it, she might have been reading my energy because I, as much as my mouth, my mm -hmm. mouth was saying, you know, I want to go with the first thing because I was still asking questions and because I was still complaining, complaining about it. Maybe she was taking that as a, you know, you're saying one thing, but you probably need to do something else. Right. You know? And how important is to ask questions to the doctors, man? Because, you know, a lot of times we as men um, and just uh just in general, we don't ask questions when we get, we, you know, we kind of just take the information and we just like kind of run with it. How important is it to ask questions, especially when it's dealing with, you know, our sensitive parts and just, yeah. you know, just our health. Now it's, it's very important to ask questions, man. One thing about me, man, I, you know, I might be one of those people that ask too many questions, even before <laughs> that. I, I want to know, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm that guy that, um, 
I'm on Google all the time. So again, looking for answers on Google is a no-no. But you know what I'm saying? When you're right there in front of the doctor, it's always a good idea to ask as much, you know, ask as many questions to get as much information as you can. Yeah. So you 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 the type to self-diagnose yourself, huh? All the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> At least, that, well, you know, I take it back. So listen, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll do the self-diagnostics and, and look online and do all that other stuff. Um, but the final word is from the doc. I, I never take that as, I think I, I usually look at that to get myself prepared for right. a lot of things, which and I, I must say, most times you find the worst case scenarios online. And yeah. most, I've been blessed enough that none of my stuff has been, ever been that extreme. So no, definitely. What's one word that would describe like the reaction that you hear cancer, right? And I mean, you about to, you know, lose. Yeah. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, what's, what's, what's the one, the first reaction you had or one word that would describe like how you felt? Um, wow. One word that's, um, describe how I felt, man. Um, Yeah, no, it's, it's hard, man. It's, yeah. I think for me, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to put it in one word. I think if I had to describe it as anything, it's almost like, you know, imagine being that champion. Imagine being that um, Floyd Mayweather type person in your mind and actually get knocked down for the mm. first time and not knowing if, you know, you're going to get up for the eight count. And, you know, if you get up for the eight count, how, how long you, how much more fight you got in you? Jeez. So I think that's probably the best, um, yes. you know, the best description of it because I didn't know yeah which way it was going to go and imagine all our life we hear cancer you know yep. our parents um friends die from cancer or celebrities we know die from cancer we hear it so much but never in a million years as many times as we as we hear it we never think it's going to be us yes you know um and it was funny uh, uh, around the time that i was dealing with it um john legend had a song out called who do we think we are and even though he wasn't talking Ooh, that's about a, that's a mean song right there yeah so what I heard, though, because another thought uh, that was in my mind during that time was you start to think, why me? Why me? You know what I'm saying? But that song, even though it probably wasn't about that, it made me think, like, who do we think we are? Who do I think that I am? There's so many kids fighting cancer. There's so many people yeah. in the world fighting cancer. What makes me think that I'm exempt or bigger than any of them that I can't get it? Or I, I you know what I'm saying? Shouldn't yeah. have it. So... That 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 song was deep for me around that time. Man, that's that's powerful, man. And you know, I I I I resonate with what you're talking about because when I got diagnosed, um, you know, I was on the top of the world just with my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Got a good nice career, you know, throwing a couple parties here and there, um, you know, really just uh having a great job. But um I was about to turn 30. It's like, I'm 29. I'm about to turn 30. Like that's 30 is a big year to, you know, really a yeah. good milestone. And then you're like, wow. Um, answer really like, and that why me is always like always flowing through a lot of, uh, you know, survivors minds. And, and so, um, your support, man, through those eight days, um, what was that look? What did it look like, man? What did, what did it look like as far as that support, obviously from your wife, um, and you have kids, so how was that that support system when you were, uh, you know, waiting in that period? No one knew. Um, and during that during mm. that eight days, uh, my mother knew, my brother knew, and my best friend knew. Nobody else knew. Mm. Um, you know, I, and it's crazy. Um, my brother is six years younger than me, yeah. and I, I'll never forget. 
my wife was strong. Like she was mm. very strong. She was positive throughout the whole thing. Um, you know, I tell people all the time is during that time, not knowing which way it could have went, man, having her by my side, they could have rolled the credits on my life at that point. And the way that she made me feel during that time, it would have been the perfect ending for me had it come to that because that is how powerful her energy was with me. Mm. It, it, you know, it, I, I just had, I definitely had to say that, but one day she broke down and just told me that it was hard to, you know, yeah. dealing with. So that was, that was hard on me. Then one day I remember calling my brother breaking down and he told me, um, you know, he understand, you know, the emotion and everything that I'm going through. He said, but we are battles and don't forget that. And this is what we do and we're going to be all right. So that speech kind of put me back in the mind frame of, you know, whatever we got to do to deal with it, to fight to get through it, that's what we're going to do. So they were the only three that knew. And I didn't tell, uh, I did tell my mom uh, okay. the day after her birthday party. And, you know, that was, you know, the best present that I could probably tell her to let her know that, mom, I was diagnosed with cancer, but I've had the operation and everything is all right. You know? Wow. Why, and, what, what was the fear of, you know, only keeping it in a small circle, you know? Um... Until I knew what was what, man, I, I really didn't want uh, people to, you know, start to feel sorry, you know what I'm mm. saying, for, for me, one thing. Here's another thing that I found out and I probably didn't want to happen as well. During that time, I found out that more people talked about it once they found out than talked to me about it. So it was more conversations as gossip than to check on me to call and see, are you mm. all right? You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know probably part of that you know one thing about having cancer it really opens your eyes to a whole lot and yeah. um you know um what are some things that it opens your eyes to um one of the biggest things is is um there's nothing more valuable than time because at that point i didn't know how much time that i had left and yeah. you really analyze what you spent your time on and yeah. which you have the opportunity to spend the rest of your time on. Exactly. So regardless of which direction it was going to go, I promised myself that I'm really only going to do the things that make me happy. Yeah. If it doesn't make me happy, you know, I'm not really going to engage in it. And not knowing that doing that, it led me to the most successful days of my life on the other side of cancer. Because unlike you, um, around that time, I was good, but... Yeah. I had, I had higher days, you know what I'm saying, as far as the business side of things. Things was kind of leveling out a little bit, but yeah. after I got in the frame of mind that I want to do just do the things that make me happy, it just shot, you know, through the roof, man. And so after the you know, surgery and things of that nature, um, did Art of Noise, is that when, it, when you yeah. first created Art of Noise? So Art of Noise? I, I've, heard, I've heard about this party, when Five Nine was telling me, I said, "I need, I need to get there. I need to." And because yeah. I saw the pictures, and I said, "Yo, this shit's crazy." So, was that like a the cancer kind of like so, kind of caught that the idea? So the auto noise, uh, the first auto noise was November, um, twenty twelve. Okay, okay. The second auto noise was March twenty thirteen. Cancer came May twenty thirteen. Okay, so, wow. so at, at that point, the auto noise was only, you know, it hadn't seen more than a hundred people at this point. Okay. Um, but the feeling that it gave me was one of the best feelings that I had felt in a long time. And, you know, 
during that time, when you think about the club scene, everybody was going there to be in the VIP sections to pop bottles, you know, but not many people or not as many people would leave a party and say, I had the best time of my life. I had a, a great time, you know what I'm saying? So it's more about the energy and experience than it was about the flashy stuff. So, you know, because that made me feel good, I said, I wanted to go more in that direction. Yeah. And because I did, it just continued to grow and grow. And, you know, up, right here before COVID, man, we were selling out uh, this venue called The National that that holds like 1,500 people. Um, we sold it out at least nine times. And again, wow. this is all, all grassroots, no... Um, no radio commercials, no physical flyers. Everything was social media, Instagram, Facebook, and um, it was the same. Man, so if I would, if I could imagine, if I close my eyes and imagine being at the Art of Noise, what would I experience? Um, what kind of music? Love, where yeah. where are you going with it? So if you love music, man, like imagine. I feel like right now being a person in radio, man. Radio is has programmed us, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Or, or it's very programming, you know, they, they play the same songs over and over. And there's so much music, new and old, that we love and appreciate. So yeah. imagine being that person that listens to radio all the time and say, I, I just want more. And not knowing if you're the only person that feels that way. And then one day you go to an event and everybody feels exactly the same way that you feel. They just love good music. And it's not just one type of music. It's not just, you know, dirty South hip hop, or it's not just R&B, but it might be pop. It might be 2000s music. It might be 70, but you're just a fan of music and the energy, you know? So yeah. even if it's a song that you don't know, you're not sitting there thinking to myself, thinking to yourself, you know, when is he going to turn up or when is he going to do something else? Right. Because you're looking around and there's 1,400 other people singing to the top of their lungs yeah. a Stevie Wonder record, you know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. So yeah, and then, you, you taking it to, I wouldn't even say DJ Nice, you know what I mean? But you're taking it, you're taking a journey. You are bringing people through a journey of, of, of different genres of music, I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I love, you talking about D-Nice, what D-Nice does? Yeah, D-Nice, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, D-Nice, um, I think what D-Nice does is dope. Um, yeah, he, it's definitely a, a musical journey, you know? Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things. The other thing that makes it unique, though, is um, it was never about the money. Like I told you, it was 100 people yeah. there. And as it progressed, more money started to come in. And what I was thinking to myself is, what could I do with this money to give back to the experience? So what I started doing was I would pay an artist mm -hmm. to come to the auto noise, not tell anybody that they're there. And as I'm up there DJing, I'm playing the song, and then the artist just walks out. Um, oh, wow. So the first artist that we ever um, brought to auto noise was DJ Cool. And um, he came down, tore the building down. Um, nice. You know, we also bought Redman, MC Light, Mystical, the Yin Yang Twins. Um, mm. we, to date, we've probably bought like 23 to 25 artists to Richmond. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing, man. So will there be, after this COVID, will be Art of Noise? Will, will it come back? I hope so. You know, um, the beauty of it is, I don't know if and when we'll get back to being able to put 1,500 people in a um, space again. Um, you know, so even if I had to go back to doing it with 50 to 100 people, you know, I wouldn't have a problem with doing that. I haven't done it virtually. A lot of people, have, they've asked me. You just me read my mind. I was about to say, <laughs> what about virtually? You know, crash yeah. Zoom. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, the crazy thing is like one of the first things I said, if, if you close your eyes and you're in a room full of people, I think one of the major uh, components to the auto noise or what makes the auto noise, auto noise is the energy in that room. 
you know, I can't duplicate that energy um, virtually. And I would hate to give someone a great value or a watered down version of the auto noise. And you feel like, oh, that's all it is. It's just him playing old school music or him doing this or that. It's not that. So I, I, I've kind of stayed away from the virtual thing, you yeah. know, for now until I can, you okay. know, figure out a way to do it right. Okay. Well, well, if you change your mind, man, this would be a perfect time. Perfect. Yeah. Because we don't know when, you know, things are going to change. Um, so what my next question for you is, is that um, I know that that you've done interviews before, you know, and uh, one thing that stood out to me, you quoted, like, it hit me like bricks, you know, um, when you first, when you found out. And um, I just, when I read, I read that quote, it, it just, it just, it resonated with me because I just feel like cancer, especially when it's like not expected, like yeah. it, it, it's not a smack in the face. It is like a, a, a bag of bricks and you just have to be able to endure that pain. It's just kind of like the, um, like, like the uh, the Hulk, you see what I'm saying? He flies from the down and it yeah. boom, you see what I'm saying? But yeah. he comes out bigger and stronger. And so what were some of the things that made you stronger, you know, as af after the surgery? Because I'm sure like you felt different after you've gone through this procedure, you know, but what, what was it that made you stronger and stronger? Um, especially because you had the artery noise and you had everything else that you that you had to do in your career or to uphold to kind of keep pushing and get past it. Um, you said so. What were things that made me stronger? Made yeah. Me what What was your motivation? What What made you stronger after this experience? Because some people um, don't bounce back. You know. You know, one of the things that um, that made me feel strong was um, the platform. The fact that I have a platform. You know, once I got past the the why me, I thought to myself. You know, I have a, a powerful voice. So when I was able to share my story with my um, community, you know, um, and everybody that that that, that are listening to me on the radio, to sit down and have conversations with uh, other survivors, to have other conversations with people that have concerns or questions, yeah, uh, you know, it, putting me in that space made me feel like, you know, I had a purpose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Regardless of which direction it, it went, like. You know, as much as I have my DJ family, I have my my rap hip hop family and all yeah. these other things, that's a whole nother family, a whole nother world that right. you know introduced me to. So that that was definitely a major part of my strength, man. Just being able to um talk to other people, um, you know, be an inspiration to them, share certain things when they tell me uh things that they're feeling to share with them that I felt the same way, or to share other stories from other survivors you know what I'm saying, that have gone through some of the same things to give them inspiration yeah. and let them know, you know, you know, once you make it through this, you know, you'll, you'll be in this position to do the same thing and share your story with other exactly. people. So. Exactly. And, and see, that, that's what we're here now, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, does it, did, you know, the surgery, did they just take the testicle out? Took it out, man. Took it. So, so you got one <laughs> testicle. Yeah, okay. manhood, man. <laughs> like, you know, what anger front, like, yo, anger front between <laughs> me and you, man. I have to I have to check myself, man. Like, it's almost an inside joke when I say something about my balls. It's like, yo, you cheat because you only got one, so you got to take the S off of it. Um, but, you know, my biggest fear was, and I will say this, um, when they were talking about the surgery, you know, the fear of, you know, what if it doesn't work? 
You know, what, what mm. happens if it doesn't work anymore? Because there is all different types of things that could go wrong with that. Um, but when you think about cancer and the effects of cancer, I got to the frame of mind that if need be, they could take all of it. If it's going yeah. to keep me here to be here with my, my wife, my kids, my family, you know, I've used it, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm good. Uh, but everything bounced right back, you know, and yeah, I, I was good. Now, am I, am I mistaken? You had a, a child afterwards? Yeah. So that's, that's another, I, I mean, that's a blessing, man. So let's, yeah. let's talk about that. Cause like, how did that make you feel like, yo, one ball, that's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> and yo, you got crazy. your son. Yeah. That's the craziest part. Like when I was doing that, that, eight day period I'll never forget laying down in my bed looking at the ceiling thinking to myself I wish I had a son mm. because if I had a son you know I knew that my son would be here to hold his mom and his sisters down the way that I'm here to do for my mother you know yeah that's all I need a little man to you know you know just hold a household down right and, uh, so to go through the surgery and then you know unexpectedly you know have a son um, you know, you couldn't ask for more. It's like, it's almost like a Disney story almost, you know right. what I'm saying? So, um, right. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a miracle, man. And that's yeah. a blessing and testament to, you know, you fighting the battle, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I love that because for myself, I've gone through 18 doses of chemo, six that are more wow. aggressive than the other, never had to do radiation. And I never froze my sperm. Now, mind you, before I started back in 2012, they were like, you need to freeze your sperm. You know, mm -hmm. I started looking at it and maybe I was looking in the wrong direction, but this, the storage fee monthly was like, that I saw was like $400 a month. I said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't got, I don't have four, I don't have 48. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, and then when I went through the second time and, and I had large, I had um, stage four lymphoma and I had to do 12, 12 rounds. Now, mind you, the six were already R-chop, which is very aggressive, but I had large B-cell lymphoma. So I had both sides of lymphoma mm -hmm. and um, the chances and chances, you know, of the chemo uh, to reproduce sperm is slim to none. So when I told my oncologist, you know, my wife is pregnant, he's like, how wow. is that possible, man? And Dude. so this year, um, I had a, a baby girl, man, baby girl, Nova, and um, which is means the gift of God, but I, I I loved hearing your your victory and your blessing, man, because um, you never know how God is just going, you know, make it happen for you, you know. Yeah, no, likewise, man. That's beautiful, man. And again, it's, it's it's the stories like that that you know people that are going through it need to hear because yeah. you know it's the inspiration. You know, there's so much doubt, and to hear you know people just like yourself, just like us, are going through these things, and on the other side of you know, saying being hit by those bricks, these are some of the beautiful things that, you know, can happen on the other side. So just hold on, keep fighting through it. So yeah. congratulations, man. That's super I dope. appreciate it, man. Yeah. Now in Richmond, do you um, do anything in the, in the cancer community in Richmond? Um, whenever or do I get they the have opportunities to, to, you know, support cancer survivors in Richmond? Yeah, whenever I get the opportunity to, um, you know, a lot of times people will call me and I definitely share my testimony as much yeah. as I can share my testimony. Um, you know, there's been a few times people will call me about cancer uh, related events. And as long as there's nothing on my schedule, you know, I like to just pretty much just donate my time and just do it just, you know, because I can, you know, um, 
So those are some of the ways that I, you know, give back. There's a lot more that I want to do. Um, and, um, you know, I got a couple things in the works that I, you know, okay. that I, probably, I don't really want to reveal right now, but. No worries. You know, and another other good thing is um, I have a great relationship with my uh, urologist and he's pretty much on standby. I, I really want us to do a um, segment where we're there and I can actually tell the whole story about everything that he can kind of chime in and yeah. just talk about other things because um, the crazy part is I, you know, went to the doctor um, for five years after for the follow-ups and everything was always good. You know, you're good, come back in six months, you're good, come back in a year. Yeah. The fifth and final one, you know, I went there and he was like, yeah, your, um, your um, testicular cancer stuff looks perfect, but your PSA is kind of high. What so is now, PSA? What's PSA? PSA is yeah, so PSA is how they measure your um, likeliness of having um, prostate cancer. Oh, wow. You know? okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you have a high number, um, you know, that's when they start wanting to do biopsies to see if there's any sign of um, prostate cancer. So he said that, you know, it could be two things. So, you know, best case scenario is, once again, take this medication. And if your right. PSA comes down, then it was more so like, um, I think they call it like prostatitis. Yeah. Um, so he gave me the medication, everything went down and, um, you know, I was good. But I was already thinking to myself, wow, you know, how crazy would it be to go through this for five years? And then right at the end, when he's about to give me my graduation papers, you know, I pick up, you know, the next thing. So, um, I shared all that to say, you know, it'll be great to have my urologist there to explain um, not only testicular cancer, but prostate cancer, because there's so many men in the community that don't know their PSA numbers. And again, just like any form of cancer, early detection is the best, um, you know, way to, to, to deal with it, you know? Actually, uh, you know, we'll talk, but I would love to have him on the show, man. I would love to have him on the show if he's open to it, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, um, because... On here, not only survivors, but caregivers also, you know, and doctors and, you know, allowing them to share the information we need to know. So how often are you supposed to, for those that, for us Black African-American men, how, how often are we supposed to be checking our balls, man? Ah, man, check them all. You're supposed to check them every day at least. You know, um, my thing is, if you if you feel anything ab abnormal, um, definitely get it checked out. Um, you know, what's what's abnormal? Like a lump, or is it is it like? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a lump. Um, I'm trying to so it, for a while, even before I had testicular cancer, there's this thing called uh, it's like a I had like a cyst on my epididymis. I think that's a tube that sperm travels through, mm -hmm. and you say that that's kind of normal. Like so, right. um, even though I felt that for a while, he, he was pretty much saying that was normal. What I felt um, when when I, you know felt like something wasn't right, was something way more than that. It almost felt like a stone. It was like stone hard almost. Okay, you know? oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, 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 it definitely didn't feel right. You wouldn't confuse that with um, the other thing. Um, yeah, but I mean, between that, I mean, first and foremost, whether it's your testicles, whether it's your prostate, as men, man, we definitely need to make sure we're going to the doctor at least once a year. Once a you year. Know? There's so many brothers that you know, don't even go to the doctor unless it's, you know, unless you're in, in the final stages of whatever it is, you know? So right, I think it's right. good, to, good, good to know because brothers don't know about, you know, whether or not they have high blood pressure, diabetes, all these things, you know? So yeah. it's good to go get a, you know, check, check out. No doubt. 
I'm gonna yeah. switch gears real quick, man. I, I need I, to know I, top five uh, best DJs. Your top five. I mean, you you are dope, but your top uh, five of all time. I, as long as I can, I don't want to have to put them in order. I don't. Nope. Long, you don't have to be in order. I don't want okay. nobody to be mad. But top five. Yeah, yeah. Top five. If I had to say my top five DJs, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Um, he was one of your mentors, huh? Yes, like my brother, yeah. You know, <laughs> yes, super, super cool brother. The crazy thing is, you know, whenever I get around him, it's, we talk more about life than we talk about music, you know what I'm saying? That's so, dope. you know, when I, when, I, when I talk about him as an inspiration, it's almost more before I met him, because once I met him, you know, it's more of a brotherhood than, yeah, music, exactly. You know? So, um, but as far as inspiration, it's just dope DJs. Uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Um, I would definitely have to say Kid Capri. Yeah. Um, there's a DJ in Atlanta named DJ JC. He's probably not on the radar as much right. as I say uh, 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 Jazzy Jeff or Kid Capri. But when I think of just a dope, you know, all around DJ, uh, DJ JC, uh, DJ B in Norfolk. Okay. And I'm trying to think of who would that last person be. Um, right now, you know what? I'm going to say my daughter. Oh, that's, my daughter. I, you know, it's so yeah. funny you say that. What what inspired you to get your daughter um, into the craft, man? You know, it's crazy. She used to go with me to the radio station um, every day. And by the way, I heard one of her sets. She, she's, yeah. she's about to be a problem. You know, it's great. Like I, I just left the house. I was talking to my wife on the way here and um, she was, she just did a transition. Um, but it, it blew my mind. I'm like, yo, that was incredible. Like I would actually do that. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, but you know, it, it was crazy. She would go with me to the radio station and to any kid, you know, you see a turntable spinning around buttons, lights, who wouldn't want to play with it and mess around right. with it. So she used to mess around with it, but I would watch her the way that she was able to, you know, mess with the turntable and, not hit the needle um, mm. and things like that. Just small things like that. I was telling her, like, if you really wanted to learn, I could teach you. So we started um, messing around with it. You know, one of the most important things about the DJing thing was the counting. And I was like, okay, well, she does cheerleading. So I'm going to approach it the same way that we approach cheerleading. And just small things like that, telling her to look at the turntable like it's a clock. Yeah. Watching her progress. And the more and more she did, I said, no, she really can do it. And um, funny thing is, she, she got good at it and quit. She told her mom that she didn't want to do it anymore. She was scared right. to tell me because she thought it would hurt my feelings. Right. And I was like, nah, I only want you to do it if it's what you want to do. Yeah. She took a break, came back and, you know, just. Have you ever, have you ever did a DJ ba battle uh, against your daughter? You know, have you seen the, uh, the, the father and daughter with the beatbox? Yeah. Know. Have you ever thought about just having a battle against your daughter? I thought about, you know, we did a mixtape called, uh, daddy daughter battle i believe uh -huh. but it was, it was more of a play on, on the name you know lonnie yeah, battle yeah. Battle, yeah so we did that um a couple there's a couple things i do have in the works i want to do with her okay. um yeah battle her i, I don't want to battle her yet i want to give her a little bit more time before, <laughs> <laughs> before i do that to her man uh she's um but but as far as creatively and keeping me up on what's right now you know what i'm saying um she knows her music the other thing that I want to protect for her is the fact that she's not 
programmed. I talked earlier about being programmed. Yeah. She's not programmed into thinking, I got to play this record because this is a top hit or whatever. She plays from her heart. So if it's something that's huge to everybody else or just something that she loves, that's how she plays. I want her to protect that because yeah. once you deal with the political side of things, that could get lost, you know? That's amazing, man. I'm glad, I'm glad that, uh, you know, uh, your daughter is following your footsteps. You know, I, like I said, I saw, I saw, um, an Instagram clip and it was, it was dope, man. It's super, super dope. You, so, um, I would ask you, what would you tell your young, knowing what you know now, what would you tell your youngest self, um, that would help him prepare for his future? Knowing what I know now, what would I tell my younger self? Um, Wow. I think if I could tell him anything, man, it, it definitely would be um, take care of yourself. Um, you know, take care of yourself physically, you okay. know, make sure you're eating right. Make sure you're working out more um, because, you know, you're going, you, you may see a whole bunch of things in life, whether it's success, whether it's family, whether it's financially, but without your, without the, the right health or being healthy, you won't be here to enjoy it. So, you know, um, when I think about a lot of things that I've gone through, um, I said to myself, I never want to be in a position health-wise dealing with something that I could have avoided had I taken care of myself. Mm. You know? so, um, that's, so that's, that's the one good. thing I would, I, I would definitely tell myself, you know, um, because that's, that's the most important thing, man, your health. As long as you got your, your health, man, you got an opportunity to get it right um, the next day. How strong was your faith in your, your cancer your journey, man? How, how strong was your faith? Did it grow? Um, you know. Yeah, no, it, it, def it definitely grew. Um, you know, I wasn't a person that went to church a lot. My mom, you know, didn't, you know, have me in yeah. you know, church a lot. You know, I definitely um, prayed a lot, you know. Yeah. But um, to go through that situation, again, to only have prayer to help you get through certain things, and then you look at how it, it played out. Yeah. You know, to, you know, you don't, I mean, I don't believe luck will make you land on your feet that many times, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. when I think about um, the, the cancer journey, when I think about the bounce back from the cancer journey and how the son to bounce back from the cancer journey to have the son and look at the success of the auto noise, like it's, it's just too much going on, you know what I'm saying, for it to be luck, you know what I'm saying? Right. So very, very, you know, strong spiritually. That's what's what's up. Up. Yeah, that's what's up. Um, for testicular now, after the surgery, do you have to have a different type of diet? You know, um, do you have to eat differently, or you could just, you know, once you get the surgery, you good money. Yeah, once you get the surgery, it's, it's pretty much you know good Damn. money. I think we should be eating right, you know, you know, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, now nah, it was there was no real diet or um, you know food restrictions. You know yeah. what I'm saying? After that, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, we're, we're at a space where um, I always ask every guest on the show, um, what three, if you can, positive deposits would you uh, give for those that are listening, those that are going through cancer or those that have survived cancer that are pushing through? What are three positive deposits uh, and words of inspiration that you would give? Um, three positive things, three positive deposits. Um, You know, uh, I guess number one would be to um, always, you know, even even when it gets hard, always think positive. You yeah. know, um, 
because, you know, during those times, your mind and your thoughts, you know, are, are, are very powerful, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, it could really bring you down. And, um, you know, so make sure you try to stay as positive and surround yourself by positive, you know what I'm saying, people. Yeah. Um, a, another thing would be um, be very mindful of your time. Like I said earlier, um, yeah, your, your time, no matter what, is is very, you know, powerful. So be very strategic on what you spend it on. Okay. You know, you know, don't, you know, waste it you know, spending it on negative, negative things, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, make sure you pray, you know, okay. prayer is, um, is everything. I, I don't think I would have made it out the way that I made it out without prayer. So okay. I think those three things, you know, um, you know, could potentially put you in a seat to share your story with other people and tell them about, you know, the dark side of some of the things that you may be going through right now. Yeah. That, you know, you'll tell them that, you know, I was in this place, but this is where I am now. Right. And that is how we'll keep the cycle going. Man, man. Well, look, man, I, I really appreciate your time tonight, man. That that was powerful. Just your journey is powerful. Just the, the dope things that God is blessing you with, man. And so if people want to find out what you're doing, you know, um, where can they find you? You know, what's your, your Instagram or you got a website that uh, yeah. can, uh, you know, follow you? You know, I guess the best place right now to follow me would be on Instagram at DJLonnieB, okay. D-J-L-O-N-N-I-E-B. Um, and I'm the same thing on everything, um, on Facebook or Lonnie Battle on Facebook, uh, LonnieB.com, DJLonnieB.com, all those different places. But I'm the most active on Instagram. That's where you'll see the DJ stuff, the family stuff. You know, it's like a, you know, mini reality TV show on my Instagram page. <laughs> Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that, man. We got to show all shades of our lives. You see what I'm saying? The one, yes. whatever we want to share, you know. Um, but yeah. no, that's awesome, man. Well, you heard it from him at DJ Lonnie B. Um, you are now tuning into the Positive Deposit Podcast. You can hear us on Apple Mute, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, iHeartRadio, um, and Google Podcasts. You can also go to our website, www.positivedeposits.org. Make sure you push that donate button. Uh, everything that we do here, um, it, it matters. And so with that being said, I'm glad that we had DJ Lonnie B. And we definitely have transformed minds to change lives. And signing off.